Welcome to Becoming Limitless. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to optimize their brain and their body with biohacking. I'm going to teach you how to eliminate brain fog and upgrade your health so you can have more productivity, energy, and growth in your business. I'm your host, Tanessa Shears. Let's jump in. Hello, hello, and happy Tuesday. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. This is a fun episode. I love reading. I love books. And one of my favorite things is to find out like the favorite books that someone has. And I love reading list of books and, you know, books that inspired people and made a difference in their life. So I am often asked for book recommendations, like in my Instagram inbox, and I get emails like, hey, uh, I'm really looking for a good book to read on food, or I'm really looking for a good book to read on sleep. What has been your favorite? What can you recommend? So I thought that I would do an episode all about the health and biohacking books that changed my life. So when I was originally writing out the content for this episode, I had titled it five health and biohacking books, but as I went through, I couldn't name fewer than seven, meaning these seven books were so impactful that there wasn't one that I could leave off of the list. So I had to, had to, had to include it. And uh, so that's why the title ended up being seven books. And these books are going to be from a variety of categories, mostly to do though with health and biohacking, like I said, because that's what we're here for. Um, And reading has always been something that's super important to me. I have been a reader forever. So this is something that most people don't know about me, but I was actually reading full-length Judy Bloom novels in grade one. I was reading beginner novels in kindergarten, and I was reading like large children's books at age four. So I've actually been reading my whole life. And by the age of 12, I had accumulated almost 1,200 books. And I had those, you know, those Ikea Billy bookcases in my bedroom. And I would fill them up. And one of my favorite things to do, like in my spare time, would be to go into my room, take all of my books off of my bookcase and reorganize them. So sometimes it would be by author last name. Sometimes it would be by series. Sometimes it would be by color. And like, I've loved organizing. I loved reading. I was an odd little kid, but I just, anything to do with books. And my favorite thing to do was on Saturdays, my mom and my sister and I would go garage sailing or we would go to the kids swap meets. And I would, I would have this little folded up piece of paper in my fanny pack with my loonies and toonies and we would go and I would get books at these sales and stuff like that and add to my collection I always knew what I had and I knew what books I was on the hunt for it's kind of almost like how comic book readers are they get very devoted to filling out their collection I just loved reading and I still do The only difference now is with having a baby, much of my spare time has shifted, obviously, because I love hanging out with her and taking care of her. So I used to read probably closer to 30 to 40 books a year, but I'm sitting right now at about, I would say about 12 books a year, which I still think is great. I'm making time for it, but I often am reading right before bed and I fall asleep (laughs) or, you know, I'm carving out time in the middle of my day. So it's not as much as I would love, but Needless to say, I still love reading and I'm so excited to share my seven health and biohacking books that changed my life. So I want to offer you an idea that I actually had just before we start on why I believe that reading is so important 
Because personally, I often find that as long as I'm involved in the work, meaning I'm reading about health, I'm reading about sleep or the gut microbiome or some new biohacking way, I'm taking action forward. I often find that when I stop investing time into my learning and stop reading about my interests, I get stagnant. And a really good example of this actually was when I was pregnant. Um... At the time, I hadn't been reading as much as I would like, so I found it really easy to, you know, not get inspired and go find new recipes, and I was just eating the same old food and doing the same old workouts, and I often find that by reading a book on health, it keeps me engaged with the work of my health. I am involved in the process. I am involved in growing and learning new ideas and staying inspired. So if you sometimes feel that, It's hard to stay inspired or motivated with your health. Perhaps you're just not staying invested enough to keep the engines going. Read a book, watch a YouTube video, find a new workout person that you follow on YouTube, do something to stay invested. So how I'm going to format this episode is I'm going to tell you actually what the book is that I'm recommending, the most important thing I learned from that book or the most important things, and then I'm going to actually tell you what I implemented because There are so many different concepts that you can come across in a book while you're reading it, and it's impossible to implement absolutely everything that you read. So I'm going to share with you what I actually ended up implementing from that book that has stuck with me until this day. All right, so while these books aren't in any order, this first one is my favorite. It's called The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. It is such an easy read. It's one of those books that when I was reading it, you keep stopping to like be like, oh my gosh, how do people not know this? I need to tell someone about this. Like I had a client that I was like, you need to read this book. It'll change your life. And she was reading it and she actually gave it to her boyfriend after at the time. And he kept saying, did you know this? Did you know this? You got to know this. And it's just one of those books where it blows your mind so completely. So the biggest thing that I actually learned from this book is the role that insulin plays in fat loss and fat gain. So we've talked about insulin on the podcast before, but insulin is basically a hormone that responds to what you eat. And most people think that insulin only has something to do with uh, diabetes, but it actually is in all of us. And it is a hormone that tightly regulates how we store and use body fat. It was such a good book. So what I actually implemented from this book after reading it is that we eat no sugar and no flour actually five to six days per week because of this. And this book was the the pivoting point of how we changed what we ate. So This book recommends to eat high healthy fats, moderate protein, lots of vegetables, low fruit, low sugar, low flour. And this is for the most part how I eat. And I've got to tell you, my energy has never been better. Uh, The shape I'm in has never been better. I genuinely enjoy the foods I'm eating. They are healthy. They are full of nutrients. I have been so thrilled with this life change. And so like I said, this book I feel like is a staple that everyone should have when learning about what actually goes on in their own body. So although this is, I'm not going to count this next book here as one of the books, Dr. Jason Fung also wrote a book called The Complete Guide to Intermittent Fasting. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It breaks down the concept of intermittent fasting. That means eating within a set window, meaning you're not eating all day long. You set a start time and an end time but you get the same amount of calories in. Um, I really liked this book as well. So if you loved The Obesity Code and you read it first, I would highly recommend 
to check out his other book called The Complete Guide to Intermittent Fasting as well. So the second book I'm going to recommend to you is actually quite a controversial book and there are a lot of opinions that fall on the side of the argument of the author and then against. And the book is called The Plant Paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry. So this was another one of those books that I was like, this is so interesting. So what I learned in this book, like the the most fascinating thing I learned is that plants have developed their own defense mechanisms. So since like, if you think of like, um, I don't know, like a blackberry bush, for example, they can't run away from predators. They can't fight back. So plants have essentially, this is the theory of the author, plants have developed their own defense mechanisms. So what they've done is foods have incorporated a type of protein called a lectin, which is actually an anti-nutrient. And what an anti-nutrient is, is it is something that interferes with the absorption of nutrients and it causes major inflammation in our body. And it is most commonly found in the skin or the shells of things like beans and grains and fruits and nightshade vegetables, which include things such as, you know, tomatoes, bell peppers, eggplants, white potatoes, that kind of thing. So basically, if you're having issues at this point, figuring out what might be wrong with your digestive system, if you find that you're just weight loss resistant or you you find that you're always bloated or your stomach is always upset or you're having IBS that doesn't seem to have a source, this book is one that I would absolutely read. So one of the other neat things that I actually learned was that there's actually two different types of cows. There is a type of cow called an A1 cow, and there is a type of cow called an A2 cow. Most people have a sensitivity to the dairy products that actually come from A1 cows, and the author was showing uh, studies that if you were to switch to consuming dairy products just from A2 cows, There is no reaction, no inflammation, and they're actually fine. So if you find that you're dairy sensitive or lactose intolerant, it may just be because the type of cow that your dairy is coming from is an A1 cow. And these concepts just, I was like, this is so interesting. So when I looked at what I actually implemented from the book, I found mostly for me that it was just a fascinating book that educated me on another type of solution because everyone's sensitivity to foods is different. So I have a client, for example, and when she quit smoking, her body's hormones were thrown off. And because of the adjustment of, you know, the withdrawal of nicotine and how it changed her estrogen and everything like that, she actually gained a lot of weight. And no matter whether we tried whole foods, whether we tried intermittent fasting, an anti-inflammatory diet, nothing quite seemed to work. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. So we actually did the experiment of reading the plant paradox together and implementing this with her and she dropped 40 pounds. And I mean, this is after she tried everything. So what I have implemented about this book is I've used it as a great tool to have if the traditional methods of weight loss or getting healthy aren't seeming to work. So in our household, we keep our diet low in beans and fruit and we do eat something called resistant starch that they actually talk about in the book. It's when you eat things like sweet potatoes and rice, you let them cool before you eat them again because it makes the starch harder to absorb in your body. And we also eat a lot of wild caught fish. But beyond that, like the concepts of the book themselves, 
I implemented only a little bit, but I used it more as a tool. So this book would be a really good read if you feel like you've literally tried everything and you've been consistent with everything and nothing has worked. This was an awesome book that was very well written. So the third book is another one that I love. I mean, I love all of these books, but I really love this book. It's called Food, What the Heck Should I Eat by Dr. Mark Hyman. So this book is about the quality of foods, whereas the books we've talked about before were about, you know, like what to eat, what not to eat, what affects your hormones. This is about the quality of the foods that you do eat. And it goes through each major food group one at a time. Like it'll go through poultry and then it'll go through beef and then it'll go through vegetables and then it'll go through fruit. It goes through every food group and talks about them. A lot of the time is spent discussing how certain foods are grown or certain animals are raised and how we can do things more ethically. And it is just such a wonderful book. And it does make the argument repeatedly in this book that eating animal protein, specifically meat, is essential to be properly nourished. And he does present a really interesting argue for this. And he goes into the important that it's not just about any type of meat, but that we're needing to look at the quality of where our meat is coming from. So for example, he talks about Meat should be grass-fed and grass-finished that is ethically and sustainably raised and that we also don't need as much of it as we think. So while he says, yes, I think this is important for a well-rounded diet that gets all the, you know, the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients we need, we don't need nearly as much of it and we should be eating it from sustainable sources so that, you know, the animals are being treated well. So I really thought that it was an interesting approach to that. So what have I implemented from this book? Actually, I implemented a lot from this book. This was the book that convinced me to stop eating farmed fish and fish that is raised eating corn on antibiotics. From that point forward, I have never bought farmed fish since. We only buy wild. And the crazy thing is, I can't tell you how much better wild fish tastes than farmed fish. I didn't even, I'm like, what is this food? It doesn't even taste like salmon. It tastes so good. It doesn't have that fishy smell to it. If you haven't ever tried wild fish, whether that be cod or um, salmon, I highly recommend you check it out. It, uh, it really went over to the mercury contents of food, what fish were better. So good. So some of the other things I learned and implemented are the organic veggies, from the dirty dozen that we shouldn't be that we should be purchasing organic rather i um, i learned and implemented that it's important to stay away from brown rice believe it or not because of all the rice tested brown rice has the highest levels of arsenic in it and so from that point i have switched back over to white rice and it has been great i've also stopped using rancid oils and i know we've done episodes on a lot of this food related stuff already on the becoming limitless podcast but i've stopped using rancid oils like vegetable oil canola oil because i saw what they were doing to the inside of my body and the last thing that i implemented was i stopped eating peanuts and sunflower seeds because of how frequently they test high for something called aflatoxins so yes that means i don't eat peanut butter anymore as well so when you're really looking at your diet and you're looking and you're saying hey i'm doing a good job i'm eating whole foods most of the time and i'm feeling good this book called Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? should be seen as kind of like the next step. So you're taking your already pre-existing whole food diet 
and you're looking at the quality of the foods that you're eating. This isn't a book I would start with because I would start with the obesity code and really start looking at the foods you are eating before the quality of the food you're eating. The next book up is called Boundless by Ben Greenfield. And I'm going to say right now, I am only halfway through this book because it is like a 600 page It's the size of a biology textbook from my university days. It is huge. It is full of science references. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I have to scratch my head a little bit because it gets very sciencey in some parts. And I really have to reread it and, you know, use my background in science to understand what's going on. But that's only for some of it. The rest of it, I find, is really easy to read. He, He... Uh, The author, Ben Greenfield, actually offers, you know, what can I do right now to get started? Actions that you can take. This book essentially is my biohacking manual. It goes so far beyond food and exercise and sleep. It starts looking at how our environment is affecting our brain, toxins in our storage containers, cleaning supplies we use. Um, It it addresses everything from beauty to... uh, energizing our brain to sexual health like this is really the holy grail of a book on whole health not just food not just sleep but it really takes in every component that you could possibly think of about your health and then takes it from a biohacking standpoint meaning I'm looking at what are the things that are going to create more energy more vitality in our life and I love this book and I'm slowly plotting my way through it. I am through, I think the first 10 to 12 chapters right now. And I think there's a total of like 24 or something like that. So out of the half a book I've read so far, what have I have implemented? Well, I've implemented, um, brain entrainment, which really helps me get focused while I'm working or while I'm trying to relax. And I did an entire episode all about, Uh, how to use audio to biohack your brainwaves. And if you've missed out on that, you'll have to check out episode nine because I did a whole episode on how I've implemented brainwave biohacking to make me way more productive. So I highly recommend you check that one out. Um, I've started implementing contrast, like hot, cold showers and using cold thermogenesis to really help deal with inflammation. I've implemented super slow workouts and I'm talking like 10 to 20 seconds per rep kind of slow. Uh, I got a standing desk. I eliminated soybean oil from all of my dressings. I really developed my cognitive load detox theory where I'm really working on the idea of allowing our brains to unload at the end of the night. So I used a lot of the breathing techniques and stuff that I learned from there. Um, Also, I really learned what the different factors are that contribute to inflammation and to brain fog. So this book has been amazing at like whole body health. The next book up is Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. If you're going to read one book on sleep, this is going to be the one. I actually read this on audiobook and I probably took 30 pages of notes. It's another one of those books where I'm like, how do people not know this stuff? How are more people not taking their sleep seriously? I read this book while I was actually going through my certification and getting my designation as a certified sleep science coach. So pairing those two processes together really helped me fundamentally expand how I view sleep. And I basically learned everything I ever wanted to know about sleep and more. And while I am still learning more and still reading articles, this was such an amazing base to get me started. And I learned all about the importance of sleep, 
sleep quality, and how it affects our brain. What did I implement from this book? Probably most of what you heard on this podcast already. Everything from wearing red lensed blue light blocking glasses at the end of the night. I have reset my circadian rhythm. So we sleep about nine to 5.30 every single night. It's really consistent. I wake up fully energized. Um, I've implemented some quality sleep biohacks, things like lowering my room temperature at night, uh, blacking out my room and using Velcro to seal my curtains to the wall, using electrician tape uh, to block out all the little LED lights from all the electronics in our room, We now turn off our TV an hour and a half before bed. I have a wind down routine in place. I use a sound machine to help me sleep at night. So many great things came out of this book. And this book goes into a lot of detail too about how sleep affects people in the workplace and about how it can affect your motor response and driving it, your ability to drive and stay on the road. It is such a good book. Like I said, every book on this list is good, but if you're interested in sleep, this is one you cannot miss. All right, we're down to our last two books. So the second to last book is actually called The Microbiome Solution by Robin Chutkan. This book was actually one I picked up at the library and I didn't have any expectations of it. It wasn't recommended. The title just stood out to me. Um, And from this book, I learned about the most important thing we can do in life and really has set the foundation for how I'm choosing to raise my daughter. The premise, she says, is we want to eat clean and play dirty, meaning the foods we eat are clean foods, they're whole foods, they're pesticide-free, but our, our environment, we naturally don't sterilize everything. We don't try to kill all of the bacteria so we can build out the microbiome. So in our gut, in our digestive system, we have oodles and oodles of bacteria. There are good bacteria and there are bad bacteria, but we need those in order to produce certain nutrients. They help us digest our food. There are so many good functions for them and we want to nurture a really diverse culture of bacteria, meaning there are lots of different species that serve different purposes. And so many of the things that we do in our life inadvertently wipe out our gut health, which leads to things like leaky gut, digestive problems, irritable bowel syndrome, autoimmune diseases. There are so many things that come from over sanitizing our lives. So what I implemented from what I learned, I actually stopped using Advil the day I finished reading that book because you know, when I was in my early 20s and we'd ever have a hangover after a night of drinking, I'd pop an Advil. Or if I had a weird headache, I'd pop an Advil and I never really thought anything of it. But what she does in this book is she goes into explaining how damaging Advil is to our intestinal tract and how it wipes out a lot of the bacteria. So literally at that moment, I stopped using Advil. If I have a headache, I'll use Tylenol. But for the most part, The changes that I've made to my health, everything from sleep to moving to nutrition, have taken care of so many of those things that had previously asked, like have required me to use Advil. Like I don't get headaches anymore. I don't get hangovers anymore. Like there are so many things that you can actually treat with lifestyle things so that you don't always need to be resorting to NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs to help with. The other things is actually it affected my birth plan with my daughter. So the, the, the bacteria that we have in our gut is often set and determined from birth. So 
one of the things the author recommended is a vaginal delivery actually promotes a healthier gut microbiome and immune system in the baby. So while I know that, you know, there are emergencies and sometimes C-sections do happen in emergency births. I mean, I was born by a C-section, but my goal was to have a vaginal delivery so that she could, my daughter could have the best chance at a healthy immune system and a diverse gut microbiome as possible. So that was on my plan. The book also talked about delayed cord clamping. So meaning I the the blood supply through the umbilical cord is not clamped and cut off for at least a minute or two minutes after she was born and also no bath for 24 hours after she was born allowing her body to naturally you know soak in a lot of the the wonderful things that promote her health that come out through the birth canal so this really made a difference so if you are planning to have kids or you're going to be in labor soon this book is a is a good read in terms of understanding what is going on with your child's immune system and how you can set them up for the best possible success. Um, the other thing I've learned is to question all antibiotics because now that I'm aware, I have noticed how readily and easily doctors prescribe antibiotics and specifically broad spectrum. So there are different kinds of antibiotics and some are you know, local and targeted to treat certain infections. But then there are also things called broad spectrum antibiotics. And what they actually do is they wipe out all bacteria. It doesn't take into account if these are the actual bacteria you're having a problem with, whether they're good or bad. It just wipes them out. And it can take years in some cases for your body to recover from a single course of antibiotics. So recognize this, there is absolutely a place for antibiotics. Like, I mean, if there is something that can only be treated with antibiotics, absolutely that is a place for that. However, if you are being pre-treated with antibiotics or having a broad spectrum antibiotic used on you instead of something that could just be local to that specific thing, this is something you need to question. So I have started questioning is this broad spectrum? Is this necessary? What are my other options? Instead of always just taking the prescription that was recommended by my doctor, and this has made a massive difference, I'd say, on the amount of bloating I experience because I'm not wiping out my, anti my, my gut bacteria every time I take antibiotics. Lastly, and like I said, I learned a lot from this book, I have stopped using hand sanitizer completely. And I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic right now and everybody seems to be carrying hand sanitizer in their purse, but I will opt to wash my hands at every possible situation instead of hand sanitizer. So the problem with hand sanitizer is it actually wipes out all bacteria on your hands, good and bad. You need good bacteria on you to help you actually create the integrity of the lining of your skin and to keep you healthy. You need these bacteria. So by wiping out all of them, it is actually creating a problem. Like I have had clients that have developed rashes because of over hand sanitizer use. And it's so fascinating. Like even when I go into a restaurant and they try to give me hand sanitizer and I ask them like, do I have the option to wash my hands? I find it fascinating that they look at me like I'm an alien. Like, what do you mean? Why don't you want to use hand sanitizer? And that just shows me too that what our perception of hand sanitizer is that it always just kills the germs. But there is, I think, a lack of education around the fact that there are good germs that we actually need 
on our hands. Um, so I don't use hand sanitizer. So like I said, the microbiome solution by Robin Chutkan really opened my eyes to this whole concept of eat clean, play dirty, stop trying to wipe out all bacteria and be very careful when using things like Advil, antibiotics and hand sanitizer. All right, we have made it to the final book. So this book steps a little bit out of scientific based health and steps a little bit into the woo, but I loved it. It was so good. The book is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. What I learned in this book is how our thoughts create our reality. It actually goes into the science behind meditation. And as you know, I've said before, I'm someone I need to know the why, the how, the what, the the what do you mean? Uh, my brain needs to fundamentally understand things before I will implement them. So the idea of understanding scientifically how meditation allows you to connect with our reality and connect with ultra, alternate futures and the energy you put out into the universe, like this really opened my mind. I found this book fascinating and it really talked about how our thoughts create our feelings and the feelings you feel in your life create the experience of your life like if this is a book if you haven't explored Dr. Joe Dispenza's work I would highly recommend it it is it, it, you know what I'm gonna be honest it does feel a little out there when I first read it but after I got into the book like this is a book that I own I have highlighted I have bought other of his books and I will read them over and over again they are so great so what did I implement from this book I learned, I think one of the most amazing things I learned is that everything, every single thing that is a possibility that or that exists in the world was once a thought and that I have to think it first before it can happen. So, I mean, like even think about electricity. Somebody had to imagine up the concept of electricity before they went out and created it. Same thing with like the chair that we're sitting on. Somebody had to imagine a chair and it had to be a thought before it could become a possibility. So really understanding that if I want something from my life, I first have to put an intentionality behind it. I have to think about it and it has to become a possibility. So it really started me thinking about what I want my future to look like because that is how I am able to bring it into realization, right? And the same thing with how visualize, uh, visualization actually helps with that. So I visualize the house that I want to have. I visualize what that deck looks like and sitting there with a cup of coffee in the morning and I just I can feel that whole thing and by having those thoughts it puts it out there as a possibility because now I have created it as a concept now I am able to fulfill it if I don't ever create that concept and visualize what I want there's nothing to fulfill so it guarantees I won't have it so I spend a lot of time thinking about the future I want. There's also a couple meditations that he specifically gives in the book, and one of them was called Water Rising. Oh, it was so good. It basically is a way of meditating which allows you to lose your mind, lose your body, and lose your time because that is what connects us to apparently this physical realm is that we have our mind that can think, we feel our body, and we can experience time. And when you are able to disconnect from time passing, disconnect from your body, disconnect from your thoughts, that's when you're able to connect to like whether that be a higher energy or another dimension or a power that you believe in and that's how we're able to do it and through this meditation called water rising it 
releases your brain from experiencing the physical and and teaches you how to feel the space around you. And you know, like if you've ever done meditation or yoga and you're in Shavasana laying on the ground at the end, and you know that feeling when you kind of like don't feel in your body anymore and you kind of just feel like everything's heavy and you're floating above, that's the idea of losing your body. So he wants you to lose track of time, Stop thinking, stop feeling in your body and start connecting through that higher energy and dimension. And this is where he says you can connect to alternate possibilities of your future. And I know it sounds woo, but when he breaks it down, it totally makes sense. And I am a, I have a science degree. I am science minded. I am logical. And this makes sense to me. So if you like that stuff that kind of bridges on energy and possibility and thinking and feeling this is a book you don't want to miss. So I'm going to give you a rundown of those titles really quick, just in case you wanted to write them down. So we have The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. You have The Plant Paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry. We have Food, What the Heck Should I Eat by Dr. Mark Hyman. Boundless by Ben Greenfield. Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. The Microbiome Solution by Robin Chutkan and Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Those, like I said, my top seven health and biohacking books that changed my life. I would love to know which one of these sounds the most interesting to you. And I would love to know which ones of these you're planning on reading. So to do that, head over to my Instagram at Tanessa Shears. Send me a message or Take a screenshot of you listening to this podcast and tag me in it in your stories. And I would love to hear what you're taking from these podcasts. So that is all I have for you today on these books. Like I said, connect with me on Instagram. Come say hi. Come tell me what you're reading right now. Do you have a book recommendation for me? I love to read and love to hear all about them. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Ready to begin each day feeling energized and focused? I'd love to work with you one-on-one. In my Becoming Limitless program, you're going to learn how to optimize your brain and body with science and biohacking so you can be highly productive and grow your business faster. Join me over at tanessashears.com slash work with me. I'll see you there.